We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. We're talking Dalvin Cook, Mike Williams, and low-scoring quarterbacks, and much more on this edition of Road of His Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hey everyone, you're listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by MyBookie. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined once again by Sean Siegel, the co-owner of Rotoviz. You can follow him on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. Sean, we are just uh, into what most people will be calling Championship Week, depending on what leagues you are. I hope you don't have leagues that are finishing up in Week 17, it's always a, a dreaded fear of mine, but... Who knows some of the some of the leagues this week, depending on how things shake out. Uh, we could be in week sixteen, depending on how teams are going in the real NFL. It can really affect our fantasy teams. Just reading before we started, some conversation going around that Aaron Rodgers maybe uh, withheld for the rest of the season. So I know anyone that'll be hoping on him or Devontae Adams or, or any of those players, you know, things like that can really become uh, quite nerve wracking and fantasy championship week but sean i mentioned before we started the show a little bit uh, congested uh, the, the winter season has finally caught up with me i think but uh looking forward to today's show how did you get on in week 15 the fantasy semifinals went 
pretty well. It was it was a bizarre week, as we're about to talk about. We had quarterbacks struggling to really get anything going. Uh, the game, the just starting right out on on Thursday night, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. That result had a big impact on my contest, and I'm sure it had the same across the fantasy landscape. I, I didn't have quite as many teams make it through this week as last week dropped a couple. I think one of the frustrating things when you get down to the end is when you have a powerhouse team that gets eliminated uh, on fluke results down the stretch. And I had what I consider one of those, uh, again, with this Allen Williams situation, but also sprung a couple of big upsets, which when those happen, you're always both very excited for yourself and a little bit disappointed for the team that was unstoppable the whole way and now doesn't get to be the champion. I was playing in a, a hyperactive league where we have the conference finals this week and then the Super Bowl uh, coming up here. And uh, I was playing a team that was uh, one loss on the season, had outscored me by several hundred points going through. And their roster, which had averaged 190 points during the year, just scored 105 again as a result of of all the weird results we had in, in week 15. And so actually won that one by 40 and we'll be moving on to the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, you, you just hope that some of those results balance out and they do. Yeah, that's the way it happens sometimes. And I mentioned last week on the show, the the kind of expert or industry league that I'm in, I had a similar situation this week where I uh, picked up Derek Henry because I was in dire straits at the running back position. Obviously that helped me immensely, but uh, I went up against uh, Pat Fitzmaurice of the Fitz on Fantasy podcast this week and he had a team that went 12 and 2 throughout the season uh, really had a fantastic run and then you know he just it just fell apart and there was literally nothing that he could do on paper it's just one of those weeks and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who can relate to that so it's nice to be on the winning side of it but like you mentioned uh, you do feel bad because we do this week in week out we know what it takes to try and produce a winning team and it's really tough when it happens the other way and you always remember the stages that I've been on the losing side on many occasions on that situation so tough tough uh, week for some people but Hopefully the people that are still going are going to have a, a nice successful week here this coming week. It was a strange scoring week in terms, if you look through uh, the quarterbacks, the scoring was so low. There was a lot of a very low touchdown output uh, throughout the week, really. And uh, like if you look at somebody like Jeff Driscoll, threw for 133 yards and 33 attempts. But uh, you know, then essentially had as many TDs combined as Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, Andrew Luck, and Tom Brady. So... We're going to be talking a little bit more about the quarterbacks later on, but it made for a very, very strange scoring week. So speaking of strange scoring, let's get into the second quarter and discuss some kind of strange, strange situations to see if we think they're going to last long term or if it's just a, a one week wonder. So, Sean, jumping into the second quarter here, and uh, the one that I thought was highly interesting, and you know, I, I've I've been keeping a close eye on the Chargers uh, this season. Uh, you know, I mentioned on one of the previous episodes, got engaged in San Diego when they were the San Diego Chargers. We we probably all seen this week. Uh, Stephen A. Smith still believes that they are in San Diego, among a couple other things, as he previewed that Thursday night football game. But a big takeaway from this last week's game was the injury to Keenan Allen, and then the opportunity that provided to Mike Williams. And we've seen Mike Williams over this season have those you know kind of games where he's caught touchdowns and that's kind of been kind of touchdown or bust but he has got quite a few touchdowns but this past week seven of nine targets for 76 yards two touchdowns philip rivers going to him again on the two-point conversion on the busted coverage by the chiefs and he also had a 19 yard rushing touchdown now 
this is as effective as we've ever seen Mike Williams in the NFL had a little bit more targets due to the injury to Keenan Allen but what's your thoughts on Mike Williams moving forward you know he's a big bodied receiver he's, he's shown that he can get up and make those touchdown grabs but could we see especially heading into this offseason heading into next year as he enters his third year in the league could we start to see him become more than just that kind of high upside week-to-week player who has the touchdowns could he become a a consistent weapon for for the chargers i think so and partly what you're hoping if you are a chargers fan is that they will develop a little bit more tempo it's frustrating to watch a game like this one where there simply weren't that many possessions when you have these two high scoring high flying teams on the field from a fantasy perspective and just you know from an entertainment perspective you'd like to see them uh really going up and down and having a game a little bit more like that chiefs rams game a couple of weeks ago Uh, the the thing that jumps out the most to me and i have to say this as a partisan uh, was that we've talked on the show consistently or at least i have uh, (laughs) said my piece about the the rules changes and how friendly or not friendly the current enforcement is to defenses. And my thought has always been that we still have a very favorable situation for defenses and mentioned the offensive pass interference called on Dallas Gettard a couple of weeks ago where it wiped out basically a 75 yard touchdown where he, he didn't do anything at all. And, you know, those kinds of plays are frustrating. But at the end of this one, when he scored his final touchdown to put them in position to either tie or win the game, uh, before that, the the play where the defense was called for pass interference, that was a frustrating play for all Chiefs fans out there, especially uh, fans who, you know, if you look at them in, in the Kansas City Star at all, if you're familiar with their playoff history, people were already writing and talking about how this is essentially a Chiefs playoff game right here. This is the way that they always go down in the playoffs. And, and certainly seeing that call in the end where Williams commits a, a flagrant offensive pass interference, just shoves the defender completely away. And then the defender kind of reaching back, trying to, to, to get back in contact is called for a defensive pass interference. It really does swing the game. The other thought that I had here in Mike, your input on it is how the chiefs played this down the stretch i think teams and there's plenty of research suggesting the teams get too conservative however as the chiefs approach their final possession you're certainly hoping not to commit a turnover you'd like to pick up a first down you know potentially several first downs but you're also thinking when you're up 28 14 and then when you're up 28 21 that the worst that can happen is that you tie maybe you have a little bit of time to try and go down and kick a field goal but you're going to tie you're going to go overtime you're still the stronger team but in fact that is not the case because teams do have the option to go for two a team like the the about said san diego i certainly uh sympathize with that blunder i would still prefer the chargers to be there if you have a team like the chargers have going for two is a no-brainer in this situation and when you're the chiefs or you're an opponent you have to be considering that 
with, with your own play calling and your own approach to the end of the game. Yeah, and I think uh, obviously it's hard to call if they're going to go for two points, you know, if they not level it up. I, I was watching this game. I didn't watch it live. I was watching it on replay on Friday, and I didn't know the score, so I was kind of following along, and it looked like a situation where the Chiefs had it in control, two-touchdown lead, then it was a situation where they got it back to one touchdown. And I was kind of thinking, like, the Chiefs are a high-powered offense. They're able to, in general, move the ball at will. You need to get that first down and close out the game, and obviously it didn't happen in this situation. I think they did get a little bit conservative, but even at that, still very hard to know that the team's going to go for two points. But I'm really glad that a team has eventually made it pay off and win on the two-point conversion. We've seen it four or five times over the last two seasons where every time the team has kind of gone for it outside of I believe it was the Oakland Raiders against the Saints maybe last season that did pick up the win at the very end of the game but in a situation where you're on the road your leading wide receiver is injured you have a, a situation where you have to win this game if you have any chance of getting uh, back on top off the Chiefs as the season progresses here for the playoff standings for the division race it makes sense for them to go because I think the Chargers at that point, it was do or die, um, and you don't want to give the ball back to the Chiefs. So it was a brave call, but I think if you're looking at it from the Chiefs' point of view, I think maybe a little bit conservative towards the end, you know, took the foot off the gas a little bit. But when you look at it from the Chargers' perspective, it was kind of, if they lost this game, they still were in the playoff contention. If they won this game, there was so much to gain because now both at 11-3, and a chance to progress and try and actually potentially get a buy depending on how the season finishes up so you had so much to gain it made absolute sense to go for it and just a, a really bad uh, defensive coverage um you know tr- three on two situation where basically the three three go to one man and uh, leave mike williams wide open so i thought more so i would say the chiefs started to get a little bit conservative with the play call and the thing i like about playoff football is you have to you know if you don't win you're out so you just go for it put your foot down uh, and that's what I thought the Chiefs should have done in this situation. So disappointing loss for the Chiefs, but a, a highly entertaining game. But back to the subject of Mike Williams, I, I was impressed with his all-round play. I've been impressed with his development um, over the – basically missed uh, all of last season as a rookie um, with a back injury, played a couple of games. But then this year he's had a little bit more uh, in terms of his health. He's been on the field a lot more, um, and he's been able to turn those targets into touchdowns. But it'll be interesting to see if he develops. You know, the third years where – up, up onto that wide receiver class in 2014 we always thought you know the third year breakout's coming and mike williams seems to be on track uh for for that coming up i believe i am correct that he is entering the third year isn't that correct sean yes and it's a little bit of a different situation because he was so limited as a rookie we talk a lot about how the second season is really the year where you want to target receivers for that breakout that's also the year where they have this gap frequently not certainly not always between what their projection actually is and where they're drafted. Now, Mike Williams was an interesting case because I saw very, very different ADP for him depending on the format. So uh, in, in, in July, when we were drafting the MFL 10 of death, I selected him well into the double digit rounds. And so that, that one worked out great for me uh, this week was able to claw back, you know, almost the entire amount that I lost last week going into the, the final week uh, just trailing Ryan Forbes by six points. So that one, uh, I'm really looking forward to a lot of fun to see how that turns out. But by contrast, by the end of August, beginning of September, Williams was going sometimes as early as the fourth round in high stakes main events. So there was certainly a lot of enthusiasm for him there. Most people expecting him 
or at least someone in each league being willing to bet that he would really completely take the volume from Tyrell Williams and that with defenses focused on Keenan Allen with a good running game uh, with Hunter Henry no longer in the picture that he would be able to blow up and really have this impact and we didn't see it until this week and so uh, that raises those questions of you know is this one of those fluky performances like we've seen from some other players this week or is the breakout about to come and so i think if you're a chargers fan or you're a dynasty owner of williams you're really wondering why the chargers couldn't get him a little bit more involved earlier in the season certainly you want to get the ball to keaton allen certainly you want to get the ball to melvin gordon and their offense has been efficient so you can't necessarily look at it and say well you know we've lost games because we didn't have him involved but this offense which is good right now threatens to be even better and I would say at this point, especially after watching the Rams play on Sunday, especially after watching the Saints, who won but looked awful last night, that the Chiefs and the Chargers are the two best teams in football. Yeah, and it's one of those situations where if they were in two separate divisions, we'd be both hyping them up to the end of the world. But because they're in the one division, one of them's going to get a bye. One of them's going to be a wild card. <laughs> it makes it very, very difficult to have the utmost confidence in both of them. But it's exciting uh, to watch both of them play and uh, both teams that uh, I really enjoy watching on a weekly basis. A team I don't enjoy watching on a weekly basis and don't really enjoy watching pretty much at any point over the last couple of seasons is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but you know over the last couple of weeks we've had a lot of kind of talk about Chris Godwin both on our show and another road of his podcast and the, the fact that we always thought there was ability or talent there but obviously it was a combined situation with him and Deshaun Jackson now Deshaun Jackson has obviously uh, been out the last couple of weeks but we talked about it last week where he had a, a monster week in terms of uh, you know target share and only had one reception but then this past week it was kind of more of the same um, just did not happen for him it was only targeted three times against the Ravens uh, zero catches last week 10 targets one catch I do think a lot of it is down to the distribution of these targets that they're not really catchable passes again they went up against the Ravens it's a very tough defense to go up against but Chris Godwin heading into this season um, he was somebody who I was very interested in having on my rosters. He started to go a little bit higher in ADP than I was willing to go, uh, so I don't have him on as many as I would have liked at the start of the season. But at this stage of the season, it's been a, a really bizarre year for him when the opportunity arrived. Uh, we thought there was going to be a lot there, but he actually fared much better with Fitzpatrick at quarterback rather than with uh, Jameis Winston. And now he's won for his last 13. I mentioned uh, in the 15 this week that his minus 13.6 receiving fantasy points over expectation uh, was the third worst single game number on the season and in some ways it's surprising that uh, back in weeks five and six that Dante Moncrief and Antonio Callaway managed to put up even worse numbers you would think that that one for 13 or one for 10 would be about as bad as it gets and yeah Jameis Winston is killing him here a lot of these targets are late after Winston is coming off of of other reads uh, some of them are early reads where he decided before the snap where he was going to go and does not react to the fact that uh, Godwin is being double or triple covered looking back through the numbers uh, since this time period when Winston uh, was reinserted into the starting lineup took the job back from uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as they continued to seesaw this season uh deshaun jackson who has missed the last couple of weeks is still the leader in total negative uh fantasy points over expectation in that stretch and so what we're seeing with winston here is that 
his results from an interception perspective has not have not been as catastrophic as they were before the previous benching but with the exception of getting the ball to, to Mike Evans and I think when you look at the context of this season that what Mike Evans has done has been astonishing and it's great to see him really jump back he's now had multiple very impressive seasons a couple of disappointing seasons he's almost in that Amari Cooper category where you know he's a star but there's still that question of could he even get to be the number one guy or will he establish himself in that group that going into the season was certainly you know Antonio Brown Julio Jones DeAndre Hopkins you know those are the big time guys you know can Evans get back up there when you look at what they did this week where he has 121 receiving yards and the players outside of that basically don't have any receiving production whatsoever just 36 more yards outside of that 121 to Evans now he only caught four of his nine targets but when you are that big threat down the field you can certainly do a lot with a little in that situation but yes Chris Godwin and I mentioned this in the article that when they change quarterbacks and they're almost certainly going to do that in the offseason that doesn't necessarily solve his problem as we're seeing with Josh Rosen uh, Josh Allen uh, even a little bit with Baker Mayfield where he's been fantastic but spreading the ball around certainly not supporting an elite wide receiver in that offense do you like Godwin for next season? Can you pick him up now that he's gone through the stretch of inefficiency? Or really, would you still be selling to someone who might be interested in, in buying, thinking that you're going to sell low? I think I would be more of a buyer at this stage than a seller. The main concern as well is, as I've mentioned this in the past, I just don't believe in Jameis Winston as a quarterback. I've compared him to Blake Bartles on a number of different occasions, and I, I still think that's starting to become more and more evident in terms of at the minute they're almost trying to hide him in this offense and we've seen that with uh the jaguars and bartles from time to time uh, anytime the kind of reins are taken off it's just interception after interception so we'll see what happens there at the quarterback position makes it difficult but i would be more of a, a buyer because i think the price has significantly dropped from the start of the season um i think he's still an interesting uh, candidate you know I, i'm not I, I would have to look up deshaun watson or deshaun jackson's uh, contract status but i think as a young player uh chris godwin is somebody i'd still be trying to to invest in uh, a player that nobody was really investing in up until uh maybe this week is uh, robert foster for the buffalo bills this week adding four for 108 and one he was somebody that was a, in the dfs community there was a little bit of talk about him uh before last week and then kind of some people had them in their lineups this week but a lot of us thought that that was lightning in a bottle but now through uh four games uh, he has three 100 yard games or sorry three 100 yard games in his last uh, five games and then one of the other two games went for 94 yards and a touchdown so he's somebody who was on the the practice squad didn't really have uh, much college production and now has ignited in buffalo and it's a hard place to, to guarantee you're going to get uh, good passing targets like we talk uh, about sometimes with josh allen but what's your thoughts on foster is, is he somebody who could be a uh, could develop into something here or is it just a strange situation where he's lighting up nfl defenses after little or no college production well it's certainly a strange situation you don't have these instances of players emerging in the nfl level when they were not good in college despite what you hear most of the people who come out of nowhere came out of nowhere because nfl teams didn't trust the production that they did have 
they were actually stars who had red flags in terms of competition or size or athleticism, you know, some of these types of things, and then were able to emerge to the NFL level because it turned out that the production actually did signal that they had the ability to play at this level. You don't see nearly as much of that from the other direction. At the same time, any any good stretch at the NFL level has to be taken just in and of itself as evidence that the person can play. And uh, this has been an exciting development for him, certainly an exciting development for the Bills. I joked in the column that Josh Allen may be the best bad quarterback or the most fun bad quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, since he returned from his injury and over the last month, he's now the second highest scoring quarterback on average behind only the superstar Patrick Mahomes. And he's been doing it in a bizarre fashion where his expected points as a passer are 31st but because of the rushing value he's been able to to really jump there and the comparison between him and lamar jackson cam newton is interesting because newton's actually jumped his passing expectation way up yet is underperforming it and last night i i blamed some of this on his mechanics and the fact that he's always been an inaccurate quarterback but last night i thought it became even more clear that he's far less than 100 percent. he was having a hard time uh, getting the ball you know with relatively short passes 10 15 yards down the field struggling not just with the accuracy but even throwing the ball that far so he's obviously well below 100 percent. so maybe we should move him out of the conversation there but allen is expected to be scoring six fantasy points a game as a rusher Contrast that to Lamar Jackson, who is at nine, but because Allen's rushes have been so explosive, both in terms of yardage and in terms of touchdowns, he's actually outscoring Jackson just as a rusher. We don't think that can be sustainable. To be averaging double the number of fantasy points that your touch volume would suggest, that's probably not going to continue, although it is a good sign for his overall ability, explosiveness, all that kind of thing. However, if he could add some passing ability and this is the same thing with Lamar Jackson where if you add a little bit of you know just a few passing points then suddenly you're looking at an absolute star because these those guys are so exciting and we saw Lamar Jackson drafted extremely early in dynasty you know fabulously early obviously in any kind of uh, two quarterback format for this exact reason but Josh Allen discounted by contrast. So uh, bringing it back around to your question about Foster, it's really interesting to see that Kelvin Benjamin now released on the Chiefs, Zay Jones, those guys, you can pull up the Rotoviz AYA app, look at sort of how they break down with Allen. And Benjamin was at 4.1 adjusted yards per attempt when Allen targeted him. Zay Jones now with another one catch on six targets game. So uh, after his breakout, you know, he's he's also been in that Chris Godwin category over the last several weeks. He is down at 3.5. So even if you're not familiar with the context, that's that's not good, right? You you want to be up in that eight-round range. Uh, Robert Foster on the season now, 28 targets from Josh Allen. He is at 12.1. So not only is he putting up numbers, but he's got the efficiency. Again, I mean, that's a double-edged sword where you expect that not to be sustainable at the same time. It's a good sign for him. Uh, Blair Andrews has written about how uh, efficiency from rookie wide receivers is a big deal in terms of projecting how they will do in their second and third season. So Foster, an exciting guy. The Bills 
potentially exciting if if Allen can just improve a little bit because you know they've got a lot of other pieces in place you know with the exception probably of that wide receiving core I know we talk NFL most of the time Sean but a lot of our listeners I'm sure are interested in the college football season and bowl season is here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie don't be the guy with no written interest as your elders and friends sit around watching the game not this year when there are a record 41 bowl games to bet on including the national championship on January the 7th and of course after that we have all the playoff action as well in the NFL it really is the most wonderful time of year make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up to my bookie today they pay fast when you win ownership really cares about good customer service and they offer the craziest props join in now on my bookie and they will offer you a 50 percent sign up bonus just for being a loyal listener of the road of his podcast network it helps you have a nice bankroll for the bowl season use the promo code rotoviz when you deposit to activate the offer that promo code is rotoviz for a 50 percent sign up bonus at my bookie you pay you win you get paid and the guys have really started out with uh, some great entries into the bull prospect series so we're looking at the bull games we're looking at the prospects they might be the most interested in uh, the nfl future for those guys but all, also how that bull game will work out how they fit in and so you know go to the site check out some of these exciting prospects uh, get a little bit of a feel for how that game might go and then as Colin was saying you want to get over there to my bookie and play some fun bets. it's the sale you've been waiting for now through monday get a huge 50 percent off the styles you need now with 50 percent off all jeans 50 percent off all dresses and 50 percent off all tees that's right 50 percent off jeans start at 15 bucks for adults 10 bucks for kids want fashion in a flash buy online and pick up in store for free hurry the sale ends monday at old navy and oldnavy.com valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance jumpsuits rompers bubbles active license and men's package tees they call you the grill master you've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment to get amazing offers during the mercedes-benz summer event like the 2019 c-class sedan and glc suv the perfect recipes of driving performance plus you can enjoy six months of sirius xm all access included the mercedes-benz summer event now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles offers end september 3rd mercedes-benz the best or nothing it's on these games So, Sean, one of the interesting topics of the week then that I thought from watching the games was Dalvin Cook, who really exploded out of the gate in that game against Miami. Uh, I think, you know, you wrote about it in the 15 and you mentioned that he's going to really push to be a top five uh, running back in terms of draft position for 2019. And I do think that that is a high possibility. You've mentioned the people ahead of him, Saquon, uh, Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's pretty true. Then you have David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell. But I think that, you know, based on what we've expected and the efficiency we've seen from him uh, you know i've questioned his usage for quite some time and how in terms of how they've used the running backs there but i think there's definitely the potential but again a nice game from him this week we see him ripping off a lot of nice uh you know russian attempts in terms of explosiveness he's coming back off that knee injury 163 yards two touchdowns uh, this past week we all know there was a bit of a shake-up in terms of the coaching situation at offensive coordinator for the vikings I think he's really a player that has that explosive ability where on pretty much any touch that he could take the ball uh, all the way to the house. So he's somebody I think could legitimately be in that top five, just rounding it out. Is he somebody who you would be taking 
Headley on Bell. Obviously, you don't know where he'll be playing next year. Uh, David Johnson as well. And uh, how 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 do you rate him overall as a as a fantasy prospect for twenty nineteen? Cook has jumped Bell in terms of the dynasty rankings at this point. You've got the difference in age. You see him out on the field any time that you have a year away. We saw with David Johnson where he has the year away for an injury that's not a leg injury, and so uh, the assumption there is he'll jump right back in and look like himself. The offense has been bad for him, but he has also not looked like himself. Bell, we have this very selfish player who now, with what's happening uh, with Connor there, you see that this offense really creates so much opportunity for the running back. Now, that doesn't mean that Le'Veon Bell isn't still a star and won't still be good. But when you have the selfishness that he's demonstrated on numerous occasions, and then you have him moving from an elite offense to an unknown offense. Now, if he if he ended up with the Kansas City Chiefs or something like that, then certainly you'd have to reevaluate. But the Vikings now are going to build this offense around Dalvin Cook. And Cook, because he had that little bit of a stretch during the summer before he was drafted where some red flags popped up in terms of athleticism, we tend to lose track of the fact that as a prospect, he really is in that Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley sort of range, not the the Saquon Barkley sort of out of this world, maybe never see again kind of prospect, but he's in, in that group with, with those other guys. And you know, then he has the big injury misses most of last year, has some trouble at the beginning of this year. Now that he's been established over this last month, he's starting to look like himself. He's showing that explosiveness. And that's what this offense is going to be for the better, for better or worse. And certainly if you're a Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen owner, it, it could really be, be the worst. Uh, you know, we saw Thielen not involved this last week, which I think is unfortunate. So the question then becomes, can the Vikings do what they did against the Dolphins to everyone. I think the teams, when they start to get conservative, you start to have a lot of first down runs, then you have a lot of third downs. And once you start to have a lot of third downs, you don't sustain drives, right? And when your team isn't sustaining drives and you can't score, you don't get down in the red zone. You don't get down by the goal line. uh, You don't lead, which we also know is very important to getting a lot of running back touches. And so uh, you know, there are definitely some downsides to what the Vikings may try and do. At the same time, when you have a solid quarterback, when you have these two elite wide receivers who are going to take some attention of the defense, and then you have this talent, the level of Cook uh, it is very exciting. You know, Cook didn't catch a lot of passes last week. He only caught one, but he took over 27 yards. But he'd been very involved as a receiver to that point. So when you add his rushing ability, his receiving ability, and then the touchdowns that should come in this offense, as long as they don't get too far away from what they were doing previously, then I think you have to like him having the kind of 2019 breakthrough that we've seen from McCaffrey this year. I know in the past that you've talked about some guys like Melvin Gordon. You know, you're still currently on board with some of those uh, players like a David Johnson, Kareem Hunt now out of the equation. Can Cook push into the top five? I, I think that he's certainly going to be, or I would think, a first round redraft pick next year. Maybe not a, a top five pick. Uh, depending on where Bell goes, you might still prefer him in redraft. If everything changes about the Cardinals, uh, which certainly looks like the way the the franchise wants to go, is is make another sea change. Now, you can change a lot, but it'll be bad. But David Johnson becomes a little bit more palatable again. Cook move into five. Is he going to be drafted in this range? Uh, Say he has two more good weeks to end the season. 
I think that it's possible, but I, I do think that I would probably have him possibly at number eight. Uh, when I went through the list at the start, I didn't mention, uh, as, uh, sorry, uh, Alvin Kamara, and the other player I didn't mention was, uh, as you brought up there, Melvin Garden. I do think I would be taking Melvin Garden over him and Kamara over him, so I probably would have him in around that range. I would be taking him above Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson at this current moment in time, but uh, I think I think Garden is somebody who I think if you were getting him as the fifth running back off the board, or same with Kamara, very very enticing, very hard to pass up. But I do think Sean, and obviously we talk about zero running back and the different strategies. I think we're going to see a huge swing. Uh, we did see it happen this year where it went running back heavy, but I think we'll see the vast majority of that first round in, in twenty nineteen be uh, all running backs. Is that something you think is going to happen? Yeah, if if Bell and, and Johnson are in better situations next year. I certainly think we could see it when you lose kareem hunt that does take a player out although as we've talked about uh, if you get a tevin coleman if you get a bryce love if you get one of these elite space type backs with uh, some potential receiving ability as well uh, you know you're probably not going to see either of those guys in the first round because they simply have too many negatives also on their resume at this point or too many negatives in terms of what the narratives are surrounding them but yeah i mean when you're looking at the potential points that you're getting from a Gurley, from a mccaffrey from a barkley uh even from a camara even though it's been disappointing since uh, mark ingram has been more involved with ezekiel elliott now having his receiving numbers jump up there the sheer number of receptions that you now get from the top running backs makes them very very difficult to get away from at the same time, the top wide receivers are scoring a lot of points. We have a good number of receivers in that top group. And if this last week has demonstrated anything, it's that if you can make it through those early stretches, and, and our zero running back candidates this year did extremely well. A lot of them performed from the very beginning. Then we had some guys like Nick Chubb who came in there and really helped bridge that middle gap. And then this last week, you're seeing you know big games from guys like Justin Jackson and then Damian Williams filling in for the Chiefs, which again, I think speaks to how valuable that Chiefs back is going to be, whoever he happens to be next year. Uh, you can get points from those positions. And certainly I saw plenty of teams where they had multiple running backs in the flex, but they were not star backs. They were the your running back types of guys they were these fill-in sorts of players so you can still get that value much much easier than you can get top wide receiver value uh, middle of the season late in the season late in drafts that kind of thing so i certainly think that while those top running backs are going to fly off the board there's going to be a lot of potential for a variety of strategies to work again So as we get closer to the end of the show, Sean, the next thing up, and we mentioned at the start, was kind of the low-scoring week for quarterbacks uh, in, in this past week's action. You know, re- really, if you look at all season long, there's been big quarterback performances, there's been average quarterback performance, but this week just seemed to be uh, very, very limited in t- terms of passing touchdowns. Uh, four quarterbacks attempted 40 or more passes without scoring a touchdown, including Goff and Rodgers that I touched on at the start of the show. Uh, Eli Manning, Case Keenum was also part of that group. So just a, a really disappointing week in terms of, you know, with that volume, we would expect uh, higher scoring weeks uh, from the majority of them. Uh, you had in the article uh, this week in the 15, the complete kind of list off them. And it just wasn't all that impressive in terms of watching. <laughs> you know, if you go all the way down to Cody Kessler, 57 passing yards on his outing, Marcus Mariota, 88 passing yards. 
just a uh, really really incredibly low overall uh, what what caused this this week was it a combination of the bad weather uh just game plans not going according to plan it just there was some very tough weather games uh, you know if you if you look at that game with the the giants uh the two quarterbacks there combined for just over uh, 300 yards so do you think that was one of the main uh, instances of what what happened this week with no passing touchdowns from from that list certainly the weather played played a big role we saw a lot of games where you're getting that cold and damp and sideways and and so it's going to be more difficult to pass in that environment but then you look at the game last night and we can add two more starter star quarterbacks with zero passing touchdowns i sort of joked in the article that i needed a 45 point game from drew Brees, which he, he had done 43.5 earlier in the season in a game where he threw for 390 yards three touchdowns and added two rushing touchdowns um his performance last night was about as far as you can get from that obviously with the zero touchdown performance and you're seeing a variety of things you saw a number of the top quarterbacks match up with elite defenses obviously the packers really struggled with the bears not surprisingly the buccaneers struggled with the ravens but unfortunately you're also starting to see some conservative play calling and this resistance to taking chances and to doing what has worked for the rest of the season here and and really trying to go to these higher success rate plays but plays that while they may be able to be defined as successes within the context of just that play, they're creating third downs. They're not moving you down the field. And again, I mean, we want to run plays where you avoid third down as much as possible. You get down the field and, you know, you score those touchdowns. So to see such a negative week after uh, what had been a fantastic season, we talked basically every week until last week, about this being the most fun season that we'd seen in a long long time so it's disappointing to see now a second consecutive week where teams seem to be going the wrong direction you have teams like the vikings who are saying okay we're gonna go away from our passing offense and try and be more run oriented that's not going to be the way to win in the nfl as we go forward uh hopefully we see teams going in a different direction were there any other instances or specifics that you ran across when you were looking at this concerns that you have for any of these particular players or for the week in general i think you kind of touched on there you mentioned about how exciting the season has been i think because of that it probably makes us even stand out more but to have you know pretty much half of the nfl quarterbacks this week not throw a pass and touchdown is something of a, a kind of an outlier Um we did see like i mentioned that that giants game obviously that there led to that situation we had the situation with the the colts versus um the char or sorry the cowboys where the cowboys kind of had a couple of fourth down attempts that were stuffed and uh, obviously that there then led to less opportunities for Dak Prescott to get the ball in the end zone it was a very run oriented game uh, the Packers played very poor overall really didn't do much to to harm uh, the Bears defense I'd say when uh, Rodgers threw the interception um, to Jackson so really and truly that was another game where just really defense was on top um, 
I think that's kind of the situation. The one that has really surprised me, you know, I'm not too surprised that Josh Rosen hasn't thrown a touchdown. I'm not too surprised Ryan Tannehill hasn't thrown one. Same with Jameis Winston going up against the Ravens. You know, I can see the reasons why these have happened. Um, so that that's what uh, it didn't, if you look at the evidence after the fact, it didn't surprise me. But going into the week on the kind of pace we were on, it wasn't something that I was expecting to happen. The one that has surprised me, though, is the Rams and uh, Jared Goff and how that team who were in such form going into the bye they had the massive win against the the Chiefs you know going in on such a high and they've come out of that bye and now they have three games where they've really struggled big time and he had 54 pass attempts this past week 339 yards and two interceptions no touchdowns you know if we were talking about this four or five weeks ago if he's throwing 54 passes we're thinking that he's getting 500 yards passing and four touchdowns it's just the turnaround there has been uh incredible to see so they really need to get uh, that ship righted very very quickly or a team that we thought were going to be possibly representing the nfc and the the super bowl this year is going to have a lot of struggles in the coming weeks so a lot of questions to be answered by these teams same with the cowboys you know get putting up zero points on the road it could have been a very different day as i mentioned a couple of uh, a couple of um kind of mistakes in terms of uh, their execution caused that there was a pass by Dak prescott i believe on either third or fourth down i think on the third down play to uh Ozawale, the fullback and it like literally <laughs> i think any of us could have caught that pass and uh, he dropped it so could have been a different day for Dak prescott too so i think we'll see uh, a little bit of a bounce back this coming week uh andrew luck as well uh martin mack had a very big day for the colts this past week so things like that can happen uh i think for them all to happen the one week is a little bit more of a, an outlier so let's hope we see some uh, finals for for all the all the teams involved so so sean the thing i want to focus on this week usually we focus on a player that as we try and finish up the show but uh, obviously we have the championship weeks and you've a lot of experience uh, in this department particularly in some of the the bigger stakes leagues so if, if we're looking at this week is there one piece of advice that you would lend to anyone that's sweating out a championship it can be you know it's a very nice feeling to be in a championship week but it's a very stressful situation too you know every play becomes magnified uh, we talk about it during the season where there's plays at the end of games that can affect it but really that nearly starts uh when when the opening whistle goes off so my advice is kind of always to and i do this on a weekly basis anyway i never check the score until at least the start of the second slate of games i don't know about your uh preparation in terms of that but i always wait to at least the second slate kicks off to start looking um but what would your one piece of advice be in terms of uh trying to enjoy a championship weekend when you're when you're in playing for some big cash you mentioned not looking at the score i am usually in a situation where i'm recording seven games at a time and jumping back and forth between them trying to catch up so it takes a little more than the three hours to watch all seven of those games live <laughs> and so I, I tend to fall behind real time and so I, i'm not in position to check the scores because i don't want any spoilers on on how the teams are doing this is a tricky one especially after this week however i think my piece of advice would be to go with your stars right we had a lot of discussions on the forums last week about some of these guys who were either either trending down or had difficult matchups in the fantasy semifinals and do you want to go to somebody else and my recommendation is to go with the guys that got you there and that can be hard if that advice doesn't work out right if you played jared goff if you played aaron Rodgers, then there's a decent chance you're now um you know 
figuratively sitting at home this week because maybe those guys didn't get you across. Although, you know, perhaps you played Andrew Luck or you played Dak Prescott. And so you were able to get it through, but that only heightens the stress of, you know, what do I do in some of these situations? Now, obviously, if Rodgers is out, then that makes the decision a little bit easier. You go to your next guy. But when you're playing for the championship, you want to have your best players in there. Almost always those top guys have better floors and better ceilings, which when you're constructing your entire roster, you know, you're, you're playing the eight, nine, 10, 11 guys, whatever your format supports, you are not playing each of those guys individually. And so when you're getting them into the lineup, you want to have still the best overall lineup. And when you start to take some of those guys out and plug in some backups, then you start to create a lower ceiling, a lower floor, and you may have a chance to hit on some of these guys, but you're taking some risk. And I think that in addition to just the winning and losing element, when you look back on it, if you lose with a top 10 player, if you lose you know, with your first and second round draft pick, then that's one thing. If you lose because those guys are on the bench and you go with a Jamal Williams, you go with a Ryan Tannehill, uh, you go with a Josh Allen, and they don't score, then I mean, you're going to spend until next July, August, September yourself for those moves. So, you know, you, you've got to go through, you've got to look at the matchups. If you have a lot of information, and certainly we have uh, multiple apps that really help you get a feel for what the range of outcomes should be right because you have a the player doesn't just represent one number going in on that last week but there are apps on the site that you can go to that help obviously there are tons of excellent podcasts we'll have a bunch of articles this week looking at the game level similarity projections from dame dave cabin you know his weekly explorer the number of tools we have to help you get in there and make those decisions really you know are crazy there's there's so much stuff you can look at I encourage you to do that, but also, you know, don't get overwhelmed with it and don't reach for a guy simply because you're nervous about what happened in week 15. That's just still one week and you've got this entire season. And for some of these guys, an entire career that you can look back on and say, I know this guy is a star. He's going to come through for me in the finals. Yeah. And that's exactly, I, I would echo those sentiments. Like it's a big, it's a big decision if you're going to switch out players who, maybe you picked up off the waiver wire or if you've uh, you know taken them later in the drafts to switch them out for uh, an established uh, wide receiver or a running back that you took in those opening three or four rounds and I don't mean just to go blindly with those early round picks but you know the decision as we mentioned earlier somebody like Mike Williams if you get a little bit cute this week and start Mike Williams it might work out for you but it might also cost you the championship and I would rather have the guys that have the talent have the opportunity that you think can do it i would have a lot easier time living with myself if they let me down than if they're sitting on the bench and put up a 40 point week so that's the way i would always look at it sean and when you get to this stage uh, it is kind of like every week's a bit like a, a dfs competition to win your game on a weekly basis but i would also go with the guys with that upside because a player this week getting you 10 points getting you 14 points might not get you the job done I would be going uh, to hit that ceiling this week uh, to try and try and get all the get all the marbles uh, and 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 get that win. So it's going to be an exciting week. So I'm looking forward to it. As we wrap up, obviously we have a couple of weeks left off Rotoviz Live on Rotoviz Patreon. Uh, we have been plugging all season long about the Patreon page. Um, obviously it is five dollars per month, but uh, these last I, think, I believe we're doing 
week 15 and 16 from what i would have to check up my emails back and forth to dave cabin but uh, we may put this show out if you're staying tuned to the twitter feed may open it up to uh, everyone to jump in and see what we have on offer because then it'll give you a good picture for next season so uh, do stay tuned to both the at rotoviz twitter handle and the at rotoviz radio twitter handle to see if we tweet out that link on saturday or sunday so you can all tune in and ask us your questions ahead of the championship week i think it'll be a lot of fun to get that all involved so if you are having struggles sean if people are trying to decide those lineups uh do do stay in tune for that and uh i'll certainly be along this week uh, with either dave cabin or anthony amico to have a fun show so do uh, do join us for that one speaking of discounts as always we do like to plug the rotoviz loyal listener discount and that is 30 percent off a rotoviz nfl pass right now at the nfl podcast homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast sean mentioned that the bowl series is going up lots of fantastic content you know, if you're wanting to win that championship, no better time to get signed up and get yourself over the line. That discounted NFL pass will be well worth it when you have uh, the glory to, to boast uh, all your league mates that you've won the championship. So definitely check that out too. So Sean, as we wrap up, I guess we can give, uh, uh, you know, best of luck to all our, our listeners and their leagues. But do you want to wrap up the show with uh, any final thoughts? Just we're rooting hard for you in your games this week. We know that from the interactions with listeners with those folks on the message boards that we have a lot of people from the rotaviz community who were in the finals Uh, some of the guys who helped get you there like tyler boyd may not be available uh, in that last game but you know this this has been one of the best if not the best year for rotaviz in terms of our player selections we obviously were telling you to get out there and and pick christian mccaffrey he had another big game last night Hopefully he carried you into some championships. And so I'm just really looking forward to this last week. The playoffs have been the most fun for me that they've been in quite a while. And from what feedback I'm getting from the community, that's been the case for a lot of people. So I know there'll be a lot of, of Rotoviz listeners and readers who are out there together this weekend, really having this same cluster of guys they need to, to do well. So I certainly encourage you to uh, play those best players have a great time really enjoy the week even if you lose you know do get in there and and do the road of his live the road of his live you know dave has great information from his weekly stat explorer you know if you do have those last minute starting questions uh, those guys are a lot of fun you know i would say 95 percent of the time they're gonna have the perfect player for you and the perfect explanation of why and that other small sliver hey then then you have someone else to blame it's never a bad idea be able to spread that blame out a little bit you know when you're sitting there and and you lost by you know one tenth of a point on the final play of the weekend you know instead of blaming yourself you know why not blame Cullum and Dave I mean they they can take it there they're for it so uh, get in there have have fun with them and good luck this weekend everybody yeah that's that's the perfect advice so uh, i can see my twitter handle being full of uh, mentions come tuesday morning or monday morning when the championships have been lost but uh, really looking forward to it i guess all that's left to say guys is go win those championships have a great weekend and until we're back next week with another one have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.
This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.